everyone, and welcome to another episode of Unscripted Equity Curiosity. My name is Ami Joseph. I'm the sector head for technology here at Hedgeye. With me today, as always, is Andrew Friedman and Felix Wang, sector heads for communications in China. And this is our podcast uh, called Unscripted Equity Curiosity, where we talk about where we share the cutting room floor. This isn't; these aren't completed ideas. These aren't longs or shorts. This is the cutting room floor that we spend our days working through research ideas, uh, battling it back and forth, and we pick up topics that come to us through process or through topic of the day or through macro or through events, and we share it with you in Unscripted. Um, I, I'm going to turn it over to Andrew and let Andrew kick us off for a uh, question, frame this up, how we're going to talk about yeah, season two, um, episode 19. Yeah. Um, so, look, I mean... This is a cycle. We are in a recession. We're in quad four. We're likely going to go into a deeper recession, right? Um, but on the other side of it, you know, some we sometimes see, you know, lots of opportunity, right? So, you know, in tech, Ami, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, coming out of like 07, 08, it was like the acceleration of SaaS, right? And the demise of enterprise on-premise software. Um, and so... I guess, like when you think about the tech landscape today, on the other side of this, like where do you see the biggest greenfield opportunity for a company to come in and just you know take a ton of market share, you know disrupt an incumbent possibly, um, like we saw with some of the like most amazing growth companies um, in the last decade coming out of you know the Great Recession. Thanks, Andrew. Um, so. Coming out of the last recession, um, the first thing, by the way, that hit wasn't like the biggest, you know, fairest cycle of them all. It was, we had, it was a consumer electronics cycle, by the way. It was a um, LEDs going into TVs. And if you looked at the, you know, capacity amount of LEDs in the world versus the size of the TVs and the amount of LEDs that were going to be required, that was kind of like, I think, one of the very first. That and smartphone growth in general were like the two main. So it was really like hardware and consumer devices that let us out. It wasn't until I believe it was like late 2011 that, or mid, let's call it 2011 in general, that Microsoft created a PowerPoint claiming that they had cloud services to compete with Amazon, uh, what is now called Azure, to compete with AWS. At the time, it was just a PowerPoint. Um, but it was like that inflection where like cloud really started to matter. Um, so I guess like, so first point to your question is like, I don't know what's going to lead us out of this. It might be hardware. It could be, it could be hardware based, um, silicon carbide based. It could be GAN. It could be something like that. It could be, it could be Apple based, you know, like it could be something well, like that. I mean, um, I mean, maybe like, maybe the other way to ask the, the question. Yeah, no, like, I, I understand where you're going. I was just going to, I was just going to yeah, say yeah. like, the bigger, bigger trend, the thing that's coming, and again, I can't predict like exactly when, is AI. And I know maybe we've joked about AI. I've certainly joked about AI as like the butt of the butt of a good joke. Um, and and definitely more like in the hype cycle than in like reality. But AI, in terms of like where we're sitting right now, AI has the potential to like move the mountains that you talked about. Like essentially it could lay waste ahead of it, ahead of its uh, self. Large cap technology companies could be laid to waste and huge amounts of 
digital, what we know as you know the digital workforce, anybody working in the digital workforce, including us, by the way, um, it could render all of us in some way obsolete. Um, and um, you know, I think it's I, th I think I, there's obviously a lot of nuance and categorization and piece by piece. But if you look at where AI is today, uh, have you guys heard of Dolly? Have either of you guys heard of Dolly? You know, it sounds vaguely familiar. Um, yeah. So if you so if you go to YouTube and you type up type in Dolly D A L L dash E, it's a cross between Salvador Dolly and uh, the artist and uh, Wally, the famous uh, 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 movie that was made a bunch of years ago by Pixar. And the um, it's it's a it's a part of Elon Musk's OpenAI company, OpenAI uh, organization. And if there's a couple of videos that dropped back in May uh, this year, 2022, talking about this, going through like the Dolly stuff. Um, and basically with Dolly, you can go, you can use Dolly. It's available in beta right now. You can go to Dolly and you can type in some graphical image you want to create. Um, and it will create it for you. So like uh, the one they give the example they give in the in the actual uh, video is um, an astronaut riding a horse, and the AI actually like understands the request, understand you know uh, grabs images appropriately, puts them together appropriately, makes sure it's artistic and balanced and so on and so forth and all of that, and. Yes, there are videos that show like maybe if a human had done it, it would be slightly bit better. But it a little bit reminds me of when, not reminds me, I wasn't alive at the time, but it reminds me from studying. It reminds me of when clothing manufacturing went from uh, handwoven clothing, which obviously was higher quality, to being manufactured. And clearly in the beginning, you know, handwoven was higher quality and so on and so forth. But the the advantage of the manufacturing was scale, low cost, availability, uh, ubiquity, um, and all those things. And clearly we went in one direction, the society went in one direction and never looked back. So if you look at, at Dolly, for example, could it eliminate everyone in the graphic artist business? I wouldn't say that. That's probably a little bit too strong. Would it severely limit the, or cap the need for uh, design graphic artists in the future, potentially? Um, I don't know if you guys weren't around for this, but like coming out of the last bubble in 2000, like one of the like safe growth areas and it was like, oh, we should get a degree in this was like graphic design. And that's a massive category today. And it is a huge uh, crossover area for artistic people who also um, are digitally savvy. But if, if that gets rendered um, commoditized by AI, it is disruptive. It, it's an accelerant, obviously, for creativity. It's, it's, it's cheaper for the society. It's, it's bad for that labor force. Um, it may be just be a tool for that labor force, but it certainly like accelerates their ability to do anything. Um, and makes me think that, I don't know, the one that comes after that will be maybe, maybe developers, where developers are... Uh, super expensive. Um, it's a fantastic career path. Um, it is like, you know, it reached its height of, of society's praise and, and marvel in recent years. Um, but there already are 
programs for AI to coach a developer as the software is built. I mean, we're probably a few years away from uh, AI having self-developing code. So it's a um, it's one of those things that literally could like lay waste massive parts of uh, of the digital landscape, and that's the one that I think will be will be the biggest one to keep an eye on and as the years come. And that'll be the biggest investment cycle I think I've ever seen in my life. Got it. How does that, um, you know, automation, is AI and automation kind of like intertwined or, are they, or is it viewed separately? Automation so far, um, the way most people point it is uh, gets you to a series of band-aids. And yes, it saves calculated number of hours in a year and manpower across time and things like that. But it is nothing compared to what I just described. What I just described is to lay waste an entire industry with a piece of software. Um, and I don't think automation will do that. There are areas of automation that will, that, you know, the DevOps has, can afford you, like, like infrastructure automation that Hashi enables which is great, um, code creation automation that comes from Microsoft and GitLab. So I think those things, there's some of that. Um, I think automation will be a theme that you'll see creep into almost every software vendor. Uh, but that's more like the incremental opportunity, like turning, making things a little more efficient. Uh, it's not the let's do it in a totally different way and replace everyone doing it and replace and make it like um, manufacture it at such a scale that you'll look back and wonder why you ever paid for it before or why you ever paid what you paid before. Um, that's the, that, that's the big one that I'm, um, that I'm thinking of. I don't know if there's Andrew, if there's, if there's either automation or AI relevant in your space that you could see. I mean, anything in, you know, like Google, right. And search and advertising, um, you know, it's, uh, I don't really, I don't know if you call it AI um, per se. Uh, you know, there's obviously like Waymo and parts of Google that are like the bets that are more innovative and focusing on that. That's not so much the focus of my, you know, my attention, but, um, <clears throat> you know, definitely in the advertising space, right? Efficiency, creatives, um, you know, creatives especially, um, you know, can you, um, you know, take an ad format, right? And can you use artificial intelligence and machine learning to modify that in a way that it has a higher probability of reaching a larger audience, right? Um, get a higher click rate, things like that. Um, can it kind of iterate on the fly? Um, I'm not necessarily sure that's, you know, classic AI, but, you know, it's definitely, um, you know, something that's, you know, interesting. And then, you know, you also have, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of like the AI that you see today is kind of, is this kind of like more kitschy, right? It's like geared towards the consumer and social media trying to get people to engage, right? Like, um, and it's, um, you know, it's not as like efficient. It's like, it's, it's just more like of a, like, um, like, like with augmented reality, right. Or something like that, which is not necessarily AI, but, you know, in that space, like using like Snapchat lenses, like, is that, is that like truly innovation, right. Or is that just more like kitschy than anything else? Um, well, there's, think, there's, um, there's a, an AI rapper, um, who's done really well 
um, who is essentially like what the AI does is it looks at songs that are popular today and are doing are climbing the charts, and it sort of it sort of respins its own mimicry, but obviously creativity. I mean, it's totally different. It's not it's not pirating. Um, but it respins lyrics, it respins beats or whatever. And we actually had a song that I think was did very, very well uh, not that long ago. I know this was like a whole controversy um that happened over the last few weeks. I don't know if you if you caught it, but that's what that's the kind of AI that I think of where you have a software that's going to to like for example to could create like a movie. Uh, not maybe not with the the, the effects um and such, but like I don't know, potentially even a script. And which funny about that is that I remember in the beginning of the conversation about machine learning, which is going back a really, really long way, the the, the example that was always um, the defenders of humanity were always saying things like, oh, well, you know, certainly AI, some machine learning at some point will be able to create, you know, robotic movement or whatever it is, but it'll never write a Shakespeare, you know? And like, that was like the defense. And I'm like, oh, no. Here we are at the doorstep, and Shakespeare is going to get rewritten by AI, or re- a new Shakespeare will rise, and it'll be a software company, software program. Um, I don't know if you've followed any of that. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> I have. Um, it's funny, like Netflix, right? Like the bull case on Netflix is that it's they have all this data on what you like to watch, and so early on when they got into content, you know, Ted Sarantos would and Reed Hastings would talk about how they have an advantage where they can create content more efficiently because they have all this data and, you know, some of the content that they put out, like, you, you, you know, you feed it into a machine, right. It's, I'm not saying like they did this, like where it spits out a script, right. But, um, you know, they clearly looked at what worked and they took elements of like data what worked. I'm sure they use some type of machine learning models and algorithms to determine, you know, where they should, what type of content, what genre, what type of actors should be in it. Um, you know, what producers tend to have the best shows, all, all those style factors. Right. Um, and it just, it didn't work for them. And what it turned out, they did a big 180 on it where eventually Ted Sarantz was like, yeah, you know, there's like this, you know, human element. That's like an art, you know, the artistic element that's, you know, really important here. And it's like, yeah, you think, you know, it's, so it, it's hard to, it's really hard to see a world, um, not that we can't get there where, you know, AI can offer the type of nuance and, you know, level of imagination um, that creatives have in media space that really brought us like the most amazing pieces of content of our, that we'll ever see in our lifetimes, right? Like generational pieces of content. And the other thing too, it's like the thing with content and like popularity is like, you never know what's going to hit, right? Like, you know, so some of like the most successful, like just because a algorithm says like this should be popular doesn't mean it's going to be popular. I mean, it could be executed poorly, right? Like you could get bad casting, all this type of stuff, right? So maybe that there's that's the element too, but I mean, it's, it's really like, I think it like, you know, it's at least in the media space, you know, it's always going to have, you know, limiting factors, maybe, maybe less so in like, um, you know, the graphic, like effects space, like, you know, um, but that's not really AI. That's just more like, 
design. So that, but that's, that's kind of my, my, my initial thoughts there. It's, um, and I don't think like AI is going to be rewriting Shakespeare anytime soon, but maybe there'll be that like watershed event, right. Where like, Oh my God, like there's this script or something that's created by like AI that is just like beautiful and it's perfect. And it goes viral and everyone's just like, how did a machine do this? Like, how did an algorithm do this? How did, you know, this piece of software do this? And I don't think we're there yet because a lot of the stuff is just kind of like, <laughs> like more like a joke. Like there's like this AI software that does writing for you that I looked at. Um, and basically you kind of like feed it a bunch of articles and it kind of watches what you do and it will just take, um, you know, existing pieces of, you, you kind of feed it, like you point it in a direction with what you kind of want to talk about and then it will write something for you. And it's kind of AI based, but even that it's like very superficial, like very clickbaity. You know, it's like a piece of content that you would see, you know, get regurgitated on, you know, a market watch headline or like some really low quality, you know, publisher's website where there's not a lot of substance. They're just kind of using filler words and, and summarizing articles in a way that reads really well, but there's no, there's nothing real, there's no real value add there. Um, but, you know, I could see to like to kind of what your point said about like developers, like writing's hard, you know, it's not easy to write well, it's not easy to write at a high frequency. Um, so maybe that's another opportunity, you know, where um, it can come into place, um, you know, just becoming more efficient. But, you know, AI in like the most like, you know, sci-fi sense, you know, I don't know. I, I haven't seen anything that seems like immediate, like this is coming down the pike, you know, five, seven years from now, but you know, I'm it's always keeping an open mind. Hey yeah, guys, I, mean, I it, think, it, uh, yeah, go ahead. This is a, hey, Hey, I, I thought this was an interesting discussion. I, I, um, yeah, it sounds like, you know, from your guys' perspective, AI may be kind of on the back burner, but in China, it's, it's a little bit interesting because AI has already been, a major part of a lot of the um, tech companies, um, you know, Alibaba, ByteDance, they're definitely known for what they're doing on the personalized AI-driven consumer apps. But <clears throat> since we're on this discussion I, on AI and, and where it can go, um, you know, in China, I, I, I just thought it's interesting that probably um, at least in the next five years or so, the biggest opportunity for AI is in the transportation market. Um, I remember we, you know, we had uh, Jay on, I think maybe a, a month or two ago, and we were having a quick discussion on autonomous driving. Well, <clears throat> you know, China is actually pretty advanced in terms of um, the uh, the local governments there already signing off on trials and, you know, try to make autonomous driving a reality. I mean, we're still not there yet, but uh, I think China is, is, is definitely serious about this. And, and, and the reason why is because of congestion. That's, that's one reason. Um, you have, you know, probably 200 to 300 million passenger vehicles on the road. Um, that's a lot, right? Uh, and if you know China is serious about their green goals, 
um, you know, autonomous driving and EVs obviously fit in there. Uh, but also, you know, I, I think if you want to reduce accidents, um, autonomous vehicles is 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 an, a way to kind of reduce that. But I mean, look, I think generally speaking, there's been a significant progress made by many automobile uh, players uh, to different levels, like level four, level five, so forth in autonomous world. Um, and then there, there's also, you know, in my, in my, in my, um, <clears throat> in my perspective, since my kind of bread and butter business here at Hedgeye is more geared towards e-commerce, right? And it's, it's been a wild ride with AI and, uh, in e-commerce just because of regulation. And now, you know, uh, you don't have to share the secret sauce or anything to, to the local governments, but you have to give them something so that they can understand how you do the business. Um, how do you, you know, attract a consumer and make them continue to come back to your platform or you, you know, they're recommendation engines that that you're using to make sure the customer or user stays on your app for as long as possible. So that's obviously proprietary AI technology that a lot of the tech giants have. And that's coming into kind of regulatory scrutiny these days in China. Um, But it's still an extremely important part of their, you know, of their business. so I would say, you know, I guess to sum up here, so at least for China, there's definitely some opportunity. I don't think it's going to take five to seven years. I actually think it's going to be less. Uh, so if you think about the next frontier, right, for, for AI in China, it, it, there could be some sectors that that may look kind of interesting in terms of how AI could disrupt, you know, different ecosystems, particularly on on the transportation. So that's kind of my main point here. Yeah, short short car insurance companies. <laughs> uh, I, I so yeah, uh, right. Felix, I want to clarify, and also I want to clarify my, my my position. Also, I want to maybe disagree a little bit um, on something AI related, which is so. I just want to clarify. I, I don't think AI is in the back room. Like I think it's going to literally change everything over the next twenty years in software. And the thing that I want to disagree with is that so so yes ai is already here in terms of you know small things like recommendation buying recommendations and things like that that's already that's already here um i would say the i think that ai going to cars is a misapplication completely and 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 here's why I think I I think this this is sort of like having been you know being like the Lyft analyst here or whatever and having studied this stuff over time. Um, no matter how like let's say you changed out the driver and now you've got like a digital pilot you know kind of driving your car. Um, you still have to you still have the massive cost of the car itself. You still have 
massive depreciation at a scale people aren't used to because you know you're putting on more miles in a year of driving than you would in 25 years of ownership if it was just you if you're again if you're maximizing utilization um you still have maintenance costs and insurance costs because there's going to be definitely be accidents so uh, andrew i don't know if you are old enough to remember this saying but if you if you um you know, to, the saying is to error is human to really foul things up requires a computer. So uh, insurance will be needed even more, I think, for cars. Um, and it doesn't remove the congestion problem. Um, it, it, at least so far, studies have shown that this is one of those areas where the more supply you create, uh, the more like the more capacity you create, the more demand will be there. So for example, if cities are congested and they find a way to decongest, even more people will move to the cities. Um, so I, so I, it's, it's, a, it's a catch-22. It's an urban planning problem. Um, I don't think having AI is really the way, in, in cars is the way to, to settle it. I do understand that the, like the, you know, Waymo and, and Tesla and many other, like the entire industry is running in this direction to try to put AI in cars. And that's great. I mean, it's fine. Like, it's like, I don't think it changes the, I really don't think it changes the world at all. I think the bigger problem, the bigger change is if you have a, a billion digital workers in the world, of which you and I are, are down to three, um, and you can make a software that replaces their work and commoditizes their work. And instead of like, I don't know, building a black book and taking a month for analysis, it takes minutes or seconds. Um, well, there's a lot more black books in the world, a lot more idea gen, for example. But but I'm just talking about like any digital work. Digital is the thing that will be disrupted the most because today digital are tools that we all use to still construct things. But if AI can go and replace our role in all of that, it will be automatic. It will be um, much larger scale and um, much lower, at, 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 at much faster, much lower cost per unit. And if you look at where technology has been successful so far, um, the failure of the last five, six, seven, eight years has been the move to try to have technology move out of its own world and into the real world and organize the real world. And that's been kind of a failure. Look at Uber and Lyft, et cetera, and like the effort of so many companies to move in that direction um, to actually have like a real world controlled by digital. Um, not working so well as opposed to like digital disrupting digital and organizing digital even better um you know like the first wave of digital that we've lived through all the way until now has been um you know like kind of like organization of reality not uh, manipulation necessarily and i think that's going to continue and I think that whole category of digital work is what is most at risk um rather than kind of like you know, the drivers of trucks or something like that, which I think is also probably a risk because the industry is like moving in that direction so much. But I don't think that's going to bring about the night and day change in terms of cost metrics or congestion or insurance or accidents or anything that is being discussed. Um, that's interesting. I, uh, I, I I would just say, you know, China's a little bit different. And um, in the U.S., it, 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 there's there's it is the biggest auto market in the world. Um, I'm, I'm not really an auto analyst, but it's, it's there's just too much vehicles 
uh, on the road, and that's you know, uh, it, driver error is always there. Um, whether it's you know not paying attention or texting or other other things, I'm just saying like I I understand it may not save the auto companies that much on costs, um, but it could create a more safer environment. I, I don't know. I mean, I could be. <laughs> in the uh, minority here, but I, I think there could be something um, that could be done with self-driving vehicles um, to help with navigating, you know, and to help with um, making real-time driving decisions, so to speak. I agree. Uh, I, I, I hope, I, I what we're already seeing, by the way, is driver assist, right? You have like digital assistance to the driver that's already here and that right. get better and better. Um, but yes, I agree that to, to whatever extent we can make like that whole area safer, I think that's fantastic. But uh, it's not, you still need those, you're still, the, the bigger cost of the whole thing, the biggest cost of the whole thing is the actual cars themselves, the depreciation on those cars, the maintenance, uh, the replacement cycles, um, the parts, just the fact that, like, you know, taking a car out on the road, like, perhaps going to happen as opposed to, you know, you're going to bump into things, you're going to bounce against things, you're going to, I, I mean, I, sorry, that's the way I'm saying, I'm being to bounce against the road, I'm not going to bounce against <laughs> things, you should never bounce against things, like, you're going to hit potholes and whatever, stuff's going to happen, rust, you know, et cetera, uh, wear and leveling and all those things is going to happen, whereas, like, your software running on your computer doesn't go out and run into potholes, right? It's like running on your on your computer. It doesn't have that kind of uh, capital depreciation, capital replacement cycle, and things like that. It needs innovation. It needs to continue moving forward. Uh, maybe as it expands usage, it needs better hardware underneath, like more DRAM. That just goes back to my other point about about maintenance and hardware that that's not the part that can get disrupted as well. It's the digital side that is can be and the creative side can just totally be gutted uh, by AI. It's like a, it's like a powerful um, leveler of mountains, I think in this area. Yeah, I, I guess, I guess that's fair. I, uh, I still think though, like China is, it's quite advanced on where AI could transform, you know, if if anything, in the in the auto market. So, if China can't do anything with, um, you know, their autonomous ambitions, that's not a good model for the rest of the world, just because it's you know it's already such a big market and they've already spent a lot of time and money and effort. In developing these autonomous driving capabilities, so so we'll have to keep an eye on it. I, I think if if nothing comes out of this, then we you know the same scenario may happen elsewhere around the world. Um, well, governments with a lot of money to spend can keep things happening for a very long time. That yeah, you know, and and maybe there will be gains that they can point to, but I just don't think it's the. I think when we. I think not that long ago, I think when, at least for me, when I looked at AI's role in, in the driving self-driving market, and I imagined some kind of massive change, the longer I spent, the longer time I spent thinking about that world, the, the less 
appealing. I mean, I think it's going to be just more gradual, like driver assist and safety and things like that. And I think, yes, AI will come into that area. I mean, obviously, I'm not an expert on this. Probably we should get Jay involved in this conversation just because he's probably a little bit ahead on this on all this subject and, and probably um, opinionated. But to me, the bigger, the bigger leveling of mountains, the bigger unlock that you're going to have is is in AI replacing you know, digital labor um, and digital work. Um, yeah, just so much there that uh, so much there that um, I, it, that to be what I mean. Just to even go and to be really kitsch for a second and. and re- refer to a movie like if you think about the Iron Man movies and you know obviously there's an actor behind this AI and there's a, a team of people helping him build everything behind the scenes and whatever whatever etc but like one guy and plus one AI creates like new atomic molecules creates like new weapons in the world creates like new everything and like things that you can't do with a massive a hundred thousand person company today. So, um, so I, I'm I'm just using that more for fun, but like as a point of reference that if we think about like what what innovation can come when AI is there, like there's a lot of digital work that I think will get eliminated, and that's that's kind of like my my thought process. Andrew, cool. do you have any? I don't know if that's a good place to wrap, Andrew. I don't know if you have any final thoughts you want to throw in here. Yeah, or... no, I, I just really enjoyed listening to you guys talk about that. Um, <clears throat> I don't, you know, it's, um, you know, I try to think outside of the box sometimes, but, you know, uh, it's not always easy, especially in these types of, you know, market environments, right? Where it's like, oh, I just care about, you know, revenue and are they going to hit numbers next quarter and what the growth rate is going to be. <laughs> You know, and then sometimes you kind of just forget that, like, the amount of work and innovation that goes to, into some of these organizations, um, you know, it's kind of awful to kind of, like, step back and think a little bit big picture. So I really enjoyed listening to you guys talk about that. And, um, yeah, I, I really don't, um, you know, I, I don't have anything to add. Um, you know, it's uh, you know, kind of it for my, my seat. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been Season 2, Episode 19 of Unscripted Equity Curiosity. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedgeye is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedgeye subscribers and the authorized recipients of the content. All investments entail a certain degree of risk and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the Terms of Service at Hedgeye.com slash Terms of Service.